I used to be just like you. Until they put drugs in me that will allow me to use 100% of my brain. Lucy is the first human being to unlock more than 10% of her brain. At 24%, she can control the cells in her body. At 40%, she can control matter. At 62%, she can control other people. What happens when she reaches 100%? I have no idea. Lucy. Rated R. Greetings, one and all. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is going to be podcast 497 for July 20th, 2014. That uh, was a short little TV spot for for the upcoming film Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. comes out next Friday. I'm really looking forward to it. It looks good. I don't know if I really quite buy that, you know, get some drugs put in you and within a, uh, a short period of time you can do everything they're showing her capable of, <laughs> but it looks like a fun movie. So that is the point of most summer movies, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I think there's some good stuff uh you know, and good, interesting ideas and plots and things. Actually, I, I saw um, the latest uh, Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, last weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about that on today's show. Uh, spoiler-free kind of review. But uh, the main topic is uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, kind of an older classic film, uh, not quite as far back as Marco's. Thanks again for his show last week, Flight to Mars. Uh, Mark always covers a lot of those cult, well, not really cult, I guess, but older classic sci-fi gems from the 50s and you know cool stuff things i grew up watching and i really appreciate him doing those shows so but today no we're going to be looking at a movie uh from the 70s it is called the golden voyage of sinbad this is one of the sinbad movies uh that ray harryhausen worked on i've always been a big fan of harryhausen's work i think there's a lot of things in these movies that uh, we are still seeing at a in a more grand scale with CGI and everything in films these days. And, uh, you know, uh, these fantasy films, I grew up watching these and I, I have a great fondness for the stop motion work that he did in these movies. So we're going to talk about that on the podcast, some other news and information, other little details. And uh, I will also be talking about what's coming up for show 500, which is just in a uh, about four weeks away now, right? Three weeks, four weeks? <laughs> anyway, all here today on Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the man in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futurist of War. Resistance is futile. Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. Oh, Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. 
I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reach Cole, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, folks, uh, let's get into today's show. Uh, yeah, it uh, it's just a few weeks away from uh, show 500, and to celebrate that, I... I I had a few ideas and different uh, things I wanted to do. You know, it's been uh, a long time, almost uh, nine years almost of doing this podcast started in 2005. So anyway, for show 500, what I would like is uh, I want videos from you guys, the listeners, as many as possible. I, you know, there's a regular group. I, I hope and expect all those guys to be doing it. And uh, you know, ladies from Anomaly, I, I want to um, get a short video, about five minutes or less, from you guys, uh, telling me, and these, this is again going to be used on Show 500, telling me what sci-fi or fantasy universe or world uh, a setting that you would like to be in and live in, and you know what, maybe you know just uh, as a as a cool thing, or you know you really want to be there and live there. Uh, and uh, your top one is what I'm looking for. If you want to list a couple, that's okay too, as long as you keep it around five minutes or less, give or take. Uh, you know, if it's five and a half minutes, I'm not going to like go. Nope, that's too long. But try around five minutes or less would be great. Uh, that way we can get more and more into the uh, show. The uh, again, you know, things like you know, would you like to live in the world of Star Wars or Star Trek? Those are the obvious ones, and it's nothing wrong, you know, choosing one of the obvious ones. But you know, what about something a little different, like the world of, uh, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or maybe uh, the world that, uh, you know, Firefly and Serenity was set in, or you know, just uh, Transformers world or Harry Potter. There's just a whole ton of things. How about Game of Thrones? Although I think if you're in the Game of Thrones world. You'll just be dead within, you know, a week or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought it would be fun. You know, you can talk about, you know, maybe it, it's not necessarily your favorite universe or whatever, but you think it would be the most fun to live in that setting or that world. Uh, and I think this would be an interesting thing to talk about. So, it, uh, yeah, so get those into me. MP4-type formats are best. I'll probably be editing and putting them together on my iMac. So if you've got a Mac capable device that's probably the best uh, type of file to get me there are a lot of ways to get me the files there's an ftp server i can get you that info if you don't have it uh, the guys on the forum know about that you could also dropbox it to me the you know lots of different things email if it's short enough or whatever but if you've got problems or you have a question about how to get the file to me uh, just email me at treksf at gmail.com and we can get that uh, worked out. So the the show 500 is going to be on August the 10th, I think it is. And uh, we're going to, um, I'm going to need those files by like say the 4th of August is the due date. I put uh, a posting up on the forum about this, also on the Facebook group. Uh, we also just topped over 400 members on Facebook, so that's very cool. And, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun thing to do. Also, I want to mention, make sure I mention that a randomly selected entry, you know, everyone who enters and sends me a video will be entered into this, uh, we'll call it a prize giveaway, contest, whatever. But it's going to be randomly selected on, on the vidcast. And uh, you will win the uh, season set of Star Trek of your choosing. It could be DVD. It could be Blu-ray. It could be anything that's out currently. Uh, on uh, you know there's most of next generation is out on blu-ray now uh, enterprise 
Uh, there's other, of course, DVD sets available for Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and TOS is on Blu-ray. But uh, you can pick one season set, and I will have that uh, shipped and sent to you. So that is what the grand prize winner will win for uh, just putting in an entry. And, you know, truthfully, you know, even if I get about 9, 10 or whatever entries, you got a pretty good shot at winning. So get those in. And uh, I hope to get lots of uh, lots of them. And uh, hopefully we will uh, have, a, have a good turnout for this. I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say. And I'm, I'll be turning this all into a vidcast that will go up on Vimeo, which is what I've been using uh, to uh, put up uh, videos lately just because it's much better for these things than YouTube. I can put a nice high-def video up there, and it's it's a great service. So, uh, so yeah, get those in by August the 4th, please. Hey, this is Larry Nimichek, the, uh, <laughs> the mayor of Trekland, and you're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. Well, I did see, I went to see last weekend, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I guess it was just last weekend, yeah. It just came out a week ago, uh, and uh, July, what, 11th it was? It was very good. I, I've enjoyed uh, the last two that they did, uh, and the this one is set later or, uh, you know, about 10 years, I think, has gone by since the last film. So it's a new group, a new cast, uh, pretty much, and a new sort of branch of the story. I don't want to say too much. Uh, you know, there's stuff you can see in the previews. The the humans and the apes are kind of going at it and fighting. But it's th- this movie's got a lot of, I think, depth, a lot of emotion in it. Uh, the ape work with, you know, Andy Serkis, I think, played Caesar. You know, he, he's become the guy, the go-to stop-motion guy. You know, he does, uh, you know, worked on the Hobbit films, you know, Lord of the Rings, and, and, and just is, uh, he's just all over the place, King Kong. So, and he's going to be in the next Star Wars film as something, you know, who knows what. But anyway, the, uh, the just the ape work and what they do in this movie is just amazing to me. I mean, it's just so perfect and so flawless and seamless. It, it really couldn't be much better. It's, it's just very, very impressive. And it isn't just that and isn't just the effects. I, I just found it really good. I, you know, if you're a fan of The Planet of the Apes, I think this is right in the same kind of thematic uh, style as the older films. I think there's a lot uh, similar things. They try to connect some things that had been done before, some of the characters that you've seen before, some of the ideas uh, that were in those earlier five apes films uh, that star with Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes movie. You get to see some themes and stuff from that. So I, I, I definitely, definitely recommend going to see this. Uh, next week we have, uh, as the summer movies continue, we get that Lucy movie, which I mentioned, and we also get that Hercules movie with uh, The Rock with Dwayne Johnson, uh, which I'm not sure what that's going to be like. It's very hard to tell. It could be really hokey and 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 just not that great, or it could be surprisingly good. We'll we'll see. Uh, it it uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll see it at some point. So uh, so yeah, go see the Planet of the Apes movie. A very good film. All right, let's get into talking about some Star Trek, uh, Star Wars news, other things. The um, Star Trek, couple of stories, cool things going on that I want to talk about. One is the uh, there is something going on with Michael Giacano and his music from the last couple of Star Trek movies. They're doing these live concert screenings of the films in, in several cities this summer where they're going to be playing either the 2009 Star Trek film or last summer's Star Trek Into Darkness and they are going to be doing this along with a 
uh, a live concert performance of the music, you know, to go along with the movie. Which one thing I was thinking about when I was hearing a, a, about this does that mean I wonder if they cut the somehow cut the music soundtrack out of the out of the film when they're when they're showing it because you wouldn't really want to have the music playing from the film alongside an orchestra playing the music as well. You know, I, I, I they would never be able to stay perfectly in sync. I don't think. So that's one thing I, I, but I'm sure they've got that all worked out. Uh, but I, I thought I would list some dates. One, you know, big thing coming up. If, if anyone's going and being, I, I think Kenny might be, but uh, anyone at uh, next weekend, San Diego Comic Con, which starts what, Thursday or Friday? I can never remember if it officially starts on Thursday or Friday. But on Saturday, July 26th in San Diego, the San Diego Symphony is having a special outdoor concert at the Embacardio Marina Park. It's, I guess, close to Comic-Con. And they're going to be playing this Star Trek movie from 2009 along with the San Diego Symphony, Symphony excuse me, playing uh, the music as well at the same point or you know, during the film. And some other dates coming up. They're also going to be doing it in Philadelphia. Pete, yeah, Brompton boy, I'm talking to you, man. You got to go see this. It's on July 31st. They're going to be playing Star Trek Into Darkness. Also, let's see, on the 17th and the 18th of uh, October in Texas. So you anomaly ladies, I, I think this is close to you, right, San Antonio? And they're going to be playing Star Trek Into Darkness there in Portland, Oregon on the 30th of January next year. Uh, they're going to be doing it, the 2009 film, March 21st, 2015, Toronto, Ontario, and March 27th, 2015, Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville, or however you say that. But, uh, yeah, and they, they could be adding some more dates. There's a story up over on trekmovie.com all about this. I really hope I can get a chance to go to one of these I think probably for me, physically, the closest the possibility to go to would be next March is one in Toronto. Toronto's about a, eh, I don't know, four-hour drive for me, something like that. But uh, but anyway, yeah, some cool stuff. Uh, really, uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, what was it, five, 45 years ago now, I saw that Star Trek, or sorry, Star Wars concert they were doing with all the music from the films. That was fantastic. You know, they'd play... Uh, scenes from the films, and they had a live orchestra, and Anthony Daniels kind of emceed it. Uh, great thing. I wish they'd continue that. I wish they'd do that again. I'd love to see it even again. Uh, maybe someday when we get music from the, you know, episode 7, 8, 9, they will have that, uh, you know, add that to the group or just do a separate one. But So this is very cool. I highly recommend, uh, you know, anytime you can get to see some live music, especially this kind of music that we all love, I think it's a great thing. I think the, uh, you know, it, it, it's always very cool stuff. I also wanted to mention a few other little Star Trek stories and a big one. I'm going to maybe probably, well, I'm going to say I'm going to be trying to go to this. There's a uh, uh, Wizard World has a uh, convention in Chicago. Uh, I'm going to be going, obviously, back down to Texas in uh, early October uh, and see the Anomaly friends of ours there and uh for that convention, but in August, uh, let's see, it's August uh, 24th, that weekend, uh, 23rd, 24th, in Chicago, they're doing a Chicago Comic Con, and they're going to have, like, pretty much, I think, the whole cast of TNG there, I guess, uh, without Will Wheaton, he's about the only one, but they're going to have Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, LeVar Burton, Michael Doran, Marina Surtees, 
Brent Spiner and Gates McFadden, they're all going to be reunited there for a, sort of a 20th uh, anniversary of the final episode of TNG. Gosh, 20 years since the final episode, not even since the start of the series. <laughs> since 94 to 2014. And on top of all those TNG people there, it's going to be, there's going to be a panel uh, and it's going to be moderated by William Shatner as well, which I think he's done before. There was another convention that he kind of was there uh, emceeing or moder- moderating a TNG panel. So, yeah, that is coming up uh, in uh, August, not too long, about a month and a half away. So I'd, uh, I'd, hopefully I'm going to try to get to that. We'll see how it wor- works out with everything. Let's see, what else? Oh, there is a new collectible that looks very cool. Up, uh, You can pre-order it over at StarTrek.com. It's basically a, uh, a phaser. It's a replica phaser from the original series, but uh, what's neat also about it is you can use it as a remote for your uh, devices, TV and that. But unlike some of the other previous, you know, I've seen phaser remote type stuff before. They did one for TNG. Uh, this thing looks like a very, very detailed and authentic collectible. It's also a little more expensive than you might think uh, for a, you know, a, a remote control built looking like a phaser. It's about $150. It comes in a very cool case. It comes in a, 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 in pieces too. The, you know, the original uh, TOS phaser two has that uh, that removable uh, phaser one on top of it. It's also got a handle that clips on comes in a very cool case with a stand uh it the main company i think that's going to be selling is this think geek but i don't think you can pre-order it there yet but i did see you could pre-order it on star trek.com uh or is it roddenberry.com i don't know i it i'll put a link in the notes but uh but anyway the uh this is a very cool item i'm a big obviously a fan of uh collectibles and, and love to get this kind of stuff so check that out uh, when you get a chance. Um, I'm trying to see here uh, quickly while uh, I'm talking to you where you can pre-order it. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Uh, looks like it's just Think Geek here, but I know I saw I saw it over at uh, Star Trek. I think .com has a pre-order up for it. Okay, what else do we have going on? Star Wars. Obviously, they're doing the movie. They're filming. La 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 la. Having a little delay because the Harrison Ford injury, the you know the story went they had about a two week delay in production because of it. I think they've rearranged some of who's filming what when, so it's you know it's obviously I think going to take him more time than that to uh, fully recover from that leg injury that he suffered. But you know they um, they're pushing on right now. It's still on target for what is it December eighteenth of twenty fifteen. So we've got. Uh, what, a year and a half about, a little less than a year and a half away. I'm wondering when we'll get a first little, little you know, real information at all. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know there's going to be a lot of Star Wars stuff going on at Comic-Con next weekend, so maybe we'll get some tidbits. Maybe we'll get a couple of pictures or a little footage even. Who knows what? I think people would go cr- completely crazy if we saw, like, the main trio, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia you know, in their outfits, just a, a still, a still image. I mean, I just think that would be amazingly fantastic. I mean, I, I don't see the harm in releasing something like that even yet. I, I, I don't think we're that far away that releasing it now. Heck, we've seen Batman and Superman from the movie that's over two years away, you know, in, in their costumes already. So 
but uh, we'll see. JJ, of course, is always you know JJ Abrams has got this reputation to keep things very very you know secretive and, and quiet as long as possible, even even to the point of putting out misinformation occasionally. But uh, we will continue to see what happens and follow that story. So uh, I don't know what else did I want to cover right now. Uh, I don't think there's that much. Oh, if you want any of the These Are the Voyages books, the TOS making of books, there's season one for season one and one for season two out right now. Season three is coming this fall. Uh, and uh, I interviewed Mark Cushman. You can look back maybe about uh, eight or so podcasts back or so, a couple, couple of months. Anyway, he, uh, he's got a, there's a special deal over at These Are the Voyages books, I think is the, is the URL dot com they uh you can get a little film clip a little 35 millimeter film clip from tos if you order any of the books each book of the two two volumes that are out right now you can get a clip for each if you order them if you don't have them yet and the third one again comes out this fall but uh you know as a little bonus i i actually picked up i had a um our early version of the season one book and they they kind of revised and updated it so i ordered another uh season one book and got a little film clip that's got of a, a little image of a muck time on the on the 35 millimeter film clip so it's uh, it's pretty cool and you know i i can't again say enough about how cool these books are each episode has gone into you know there's much detail on as i've ever seen on the original series about what they did how they changed things casting all kinds of behind the scenes information on each individual episode from tos just stuff you've never heard and seen before. Um, even even myself, you know, so familiar with the show. There's so much in, new information and cool stuff in these books. So if you if you're a fan of Star Trek uh, and and TOS, of course, started it all. This is a great, you know, it's just a great set of history and information about what it took to make the series what it was, and it's just very very cool. And so check those out. Uh, all right. I think that's good. We're about 20 minutes into the podcast. I'm going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk all about uh, the golden voyage of Sinbad. Do you experience bouts of geekdom? If so, Anomaly may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's convention reports, cosplay topics, and commentary on Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek, and other sci-fi fantasy genres provided a feeling of fullness while promoting optimal geekiness. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. Learn more at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Anomaly, your prescription for geek entertainment. The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. This is the kind of the second of the Ray Harryhausen Sinbad films. Uh, of three of them that he worked on. He worked on, of course, uh, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. That was the first in 1958. Then this one, uh, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, was a fantasy film. It was released in 1973. Uh, Actually, it was released on December 20th, uh, 1973, and uh, and, and not actually, that was in the U.K., and not until 1974, April 5th, in the U.S., for this film, uh, the second one in the series that he did. And then he also worked on a, the Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, not to be confused with the music song <laughs> by Survivor for the Rocky films, but Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, which came out in 1977. Now, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, for me, 
was, I believe, the first uh, of these Harryhausen Sinbad movies that I ever saw. I think I actually saw it. Uh, I didn't see it when it was released, but I saw it uh, uh, several years after that at a, uh, I think it was at even a little convention, a little small local convention that I was at. But uh, but anyway, this movie made a, a real um, distinct and lasting impression on me for a few reasons. One, I love the fantasy and the stop motion aspects. And I kind of love the girl in it. I have to admit, Car- Carolyn Monroe, uh, Mariano in this movie uh, was, uh, I was I think about it the right age for that. So, but uh, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad is sort of a, an adventure tale like all of them are, where uh, Sinbad uh, sets out on a quest. Uh, he gets a hold of this little amulet thing that's actually a map two in three pieces. It's a very D&D kind of movie in a way. And they, you know, there are uh, creatures to fight along the way, pretty girls, uh, a lot of very cool music. Let me run down some of the uh, details of the of the movie itself. It was directed by Gordon Hessler. It was produced by Charles Shear and Ray Harryhausen. Uh, it starred uh, Sinbad in this movie was John Philip Law. We also have uh, Tom Baker in this movie, who uh, plays uh, a, a bad guy, Prince Cora. Uh, he, uh, the interesting thing about this movie for Tom Baker is this was just prior to him doing Doctor Who. And from what I could read and find out, uh, this movie actually was uh, a little, uh, you know, it was sort of instrumental, a little beneficial to him getting the part of Doctor Who, even though in this movie he's kind of a bad guy. He has a pretty... Um, pretty good screen presence here and 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 fairly charismatic so uh, but he is this uh him playing this character it, it was again helpful for him getting the role of doctor who uh, they the producers of doctor who i guess were pretty impressed with him so they uh chose him uh christopher lee was actually a possibility for this bad guy cora in this movie but they ended up with tom baker uh, let's see who else. Uh, we've got, uh, of course, like I mentioned already, Carolyn Monroe. She's Mariana. She is. Uh, she was a fairly popular actress around the '70s in this time frame. So uh, she plays this uh, slave girl that ends up uh, with Sinbad. Uh, Douglas Wilmer is uh, the vizier uh, who is uh, sort of a uh, helps Sinbad during this uh, whole thing. We have uh, Kurt Christian as Haran, Martin Shaw uh, as Rashid, and Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw is the oracle of knowledge in this movie. Uh, He actually, Robert Shaw, one of the interesting things about that is, I think he's kind of actually uncredited uh, in the credits of the movie, but he wanted to play, uh, you know, everyone knows Robert Shaw from Jaws, the first Jaws movie. But he wanted to play Sinbad, actually. But they ended up with um, John Philip Law for uh, for that uh, for Sinbad in this one. I don't think uh, John Philip Law. I don't think he played Sinbad in, in any other uh, in other movies at all, did he? I, don't, I think it was just in the Golden Voyage. I'm just double checking that. Uh, he, he, you know, he had a pretty long career in films, but uh, this was the only time. You know, they were. They were kind of playing uh, kind of strange with uh, the Sinbad movies in a way to me uh, where each time a new one came out, there was somebody else uh, playing Sinbad. Like in the one following this, in the Eye of the Tiger one, uh, Patrick Wayne, John Wayne's son, plays Sinbad in that movie. So they have kind of, I think, you know, 
for some reason. I'm not sure why, but they, they kept changing that. All right, uh, what else? Uh, the movie was, uh, you know, out of the United Kingdom made, although they filmed a lot of it in Spain. They use Spain a lot of times in these Sinbad movies because it looks, you know, kind of rugged and, and has that sort of fantasy kind of elements to it. You know, of course, they filmed a lot of uh, the Conan films there. Also, uh, the movie was made for an amazingly, get this, this movie didn't even cost a million dollars. It was a little under a million dollars, like $982,000 to make this movie. Total, total budget. <laughs> it, it, you know, and, and it, it was even, you know, for the 70s, that, that's a low, low budget, especially for a fantasy movie like this, not a drama. So, I mean, that's everything that's covering the, the filming, the effects, the catering, the costumes, the actors, the, you know, producers, everybody's money, salaries, you know, to me, a million dollars. I mean, wow, that's, that's just incredible to me, but it did pretty well at the box office, ended up doing about 11 million, uh, at the box office. So, Hey, let's get into the movie proper itself. So I can play some of these clips. I've got about 10 clips, um, to play for you. The first one, let me play now. This is early in the movie where Sinbad's out on his ship and there's this little flying creature, that uh, ends up dropping, uh, that starts the whole mission off, ends up dropping when one, one of Sinbad's sailor friends on his ship uh, shoots an arrow up at this creature. Even though he misses the creature, it makes the creature drop this little golden uh, amulet piece onto uh, Sinbad's ship. This claims to be an albatross. A jackdaw? They steal bright things? No, no. Too big for a jackdaw. Hold on! You fool! You have brought bad luck on us all! Captain! Cast it over the side. It's evil. I feel it. So, yeah, that uh, the creature flies away, but uh, Sinbad ends up with this small little piece of um, this golden uh, amulet, tablet, uh, you know, jewelry thing. He ends up hanging around his neck. He learns eventually, you know, pretty pretty quickly that this is the, the one piece of three pieces that form actually a map uh, that leads uh, Sinbad on this quest for this sort of uh, mysterious, uh, fountain of, I want to say it's not really a fountain of youth, fountain of power. What do they call it exactly? I'm trying to find, I wrote down some notes here. It's a, uh, uh, we'll get to that. 
it's um but to, it leads him on this chase and you know and, and mission to get this uh to find this place and and that brings him to this city where Sinbad encounters the first time and that's the next clip I'm going to play for you uh the grand vizier uh, of Marabia, and I uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing most of these names correctly. <laughs> this is a guy played by Douglas Wilmer, and he, his thing in this movie is he wears this sort of mask, this metal mask, like the the man in the iron mask throughout the movie, because years before this, uh, he was caught in a fire, and his his face was uh, was burned and disfigured, so he covers his face with this uh, this mask to to hide his appearance. So listen to this clip. Here is the first. These pictures tell the story of a legend as yet unrealized. Little remains, for even as our Sultan breathed his last breath, and I hastened here to read the secrets, a great ball of fire engulfed this room, a fire which took away my face and left these few scorched patches that now you see. A ball of fire? It was Kura's work. You spoke of two things bequeathed to you. Here is the second. Something the fire could not destroy. A token, a sign, a riddle. And it is said that the riddle will begin to be unraveled when this and the one about your neck are placed before a great eminence who dwells in a temple of many faces. And yet still incomplete. A perfect match. You see, I was right, Captain. Only destiny could have brought you here. Yeah, but it is still a riddle. These, this, the key to a great and mighty secret. What secret? What is to be revealed? Power. Absolute power. Power to rid this land forever of Kura's black and ugly ambitions. So they're off on their quest to, uh, to find this, this uh, fountain and uh, with the magical properties that it has, you know, treasure and youth uh, or healing powers and all, and a shield of uh, protection. Okay, uh, next clip uh, that I've got for you. This is where we get to uh, introduce to Mariana. She's uh, the slave girl that this guy uh, that Sinbad is dealing with uh, runs into, and he ends up um, taking her on his ship along with this guy's son, uh, who's kind of this lazy kind of kid who who ends up. The the guy seems to think uh, Sinbad being a sailor on Sinbad's ship will will help him uh, man up, kind of. Uh, so listen to this clip when. Uh, Sinbad first meets the lovely uh, Mariana, played by Carolyn Monroe. And I cannot work miracles. Inshallah. Come sit down. The girl. That girl? A worthless slave. But you like her? You view her with favor? She's yours. 
I give Ophelia a gift along with my son and 400 gold coins. What is your name? Mariana. That mark. How did you get it? I don't know. I've had it since I was a child. An evil eye. No, no, no. It was tattooed and won't come off. Perhaps it is a good omen. Yes, to ward off evil spirits. You have nothing else to tell me. She is curvaceous. Not deliciously fat as I prefer them, but at night, her cotton seed is the same as a pearl. She finds favor in my eyes. Yes, it's a bargain. The girl, my son, and 400 gold coins. Allah will smile on you. More likely he will laugh at me. Bring them to my ship. Yeah, so he's, uh, you know, and one of the things about this, what, why Sinbad's so sort of entranced by Mariana is she has on her, um, the palm of one of her hands, this eye, this tattoo of an, a symbol of an eye. And Sinbad, when he was on his ship, uh, he had this sort of like visions of this girl who, who has an eye on her hand like that. So it was sort of like he had some kind of uh, vision of her and when, of course, he meets her as this slave girl, he's like, oh, you got to come with me. Come on. Come on to my ship. I'm, I'm out on this quest. And uh, since you got the little thing on your hand, yeah, you, you come with me, please. So, but uh, so they're off together, the son the, and, and Mariana. And the next clip that I got for you, I like this one because it shows that Sinbad, you know, he's he cares. And uh, this is a discussion with Mariana about how he uh, he plans on treating her, that she's not really a slave, although there's a little funny uh, bit at the very end of it when he says, fetch me a drink. Uh, but then he quickly re remembers, you know, he's like told her, well, you're not a slave, but, uh, and then he throws a please on the end of it. So listen to this. Oh, I forget I have company. Your pardon. No, no, no. I am the one who bows. You are my guest. But I am your slave. Slave? Papa. You own me now. Own you? No human being has the right to own another. You're free now. You belong to no one but yourself. On this ship, you are at no one's beck and call. You understand that? Right. I go to change. Fetch me a drink. Please. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I like that uh, scene. It's a good scene on the ship on... Sinbad ship between uh, Sinbad and Mariana. Uh, the next clip, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. The uh, it's the fountain uh, fountain of destiny is what that fountain is actually called that I was trying to recall. Uh, it um, that's where they're trying to get to, and when they get this map joined together, that's what that's how they'll find um, the the, um, the fountain. Uh, during this whole thing, of course, this process, uh, Tom Baker's character Kura. Is, is following them in his own ship and he has the he has sort of a magical powers and he can 
animate things and, and uh, cause problems for Sinbad. And one of the things that he does uh, to him is uh, there's this wooden woman uh, on the front of Sinbad's ship. You know, sailing ships uh, tend to have these things at the at the bow of the ship, and and this wooden uh, woman there, a siren, uh, Cora is able to animate her and she kind of breaks free. And then she, she's trying to get the little pieces of the, well, actually in this case, she's trying to get the map that, uh, Sinbad has made uh, from the pieces and knows where to get to this, um, leads them to the fountain. And the next clip is about that. And this, uh, this masthead siren kind of ends up jumping overboard and Cora ends up getting the map. So listen to this. She sunk straight to the bottom. Impossible. Wood floats. The harpoon was made of iron. It took the chart. Ah, but I still carry the course. Here. Yeah, I always, you know, it's a real kick to watch uh, these movies again with uh, the stop motion animation, Ray Harryhausen, just just such an expert and pro at that. Uh, you know, the, there's always these nice little sword fights with the, the different creatures he animates and the and the people, and and a very painstaking process. You know, that for those that aren't aware, you know, back in this time, Ray Harryhausen just did a lot of this work on his own, and he would animate these little creatures. You know, it's it's they'd have these little, you know, maybe foot or foot and a half tall creatures that they would make and he would have to just move them just a small amount and then take you know film uh film a clip uh, one frame of film and then move them a tiny bit again a frame of film a tiny bit again and it would take weeks and weeks to animate a, a single little short scene in the movie to do things like this of course nowadays it's all done uh cgi and computers basically uh they you know there's still sometimes you'll see stop motion work being done uh, uh, but it's not, uh, you know, not as not nearly what it used to be, and not as common. Uh, certainly back in in this time. So it's uh, and there were a lot of those like TV specials for the holidays that they would, you know, stop motion. Uh, it's uh, it's just a, a lost art, and I and I always enjoy watching this again. Let's see where we are in the movie. So yeah, Sukura so has gotten this map. He can know he knows where they're headed, and then they end up at um, this temple which is uh, where they're going to get some more information about where to go on their quest. So this is, I think, the clip that they, as they're uh, coming up to uh, the temple, Sinbad and his men and, and the vizier uh, talking about uh, what they see. has deserted you. Me? No. My heart is full of bravery. But I have very cowardly legs.
As it was written, a temple with many faces. It is the temple of the oracle of all knowledge. But I never thought to stand here. The great eminence, we must seek him out. So let's talk a little bit about the music in this movie. I, I think the music is, is, is really cool and really uh, I've always enjoyed the music in, in the Sinbad films. There's a little bit of an interesting story here for this. Uh, Ray Harryhausen actually always wanted uh, a composer named Nicholas Rosa to do one of his films. Uh, and Ray Harryhausen always wanted that, although they... Um, he was going to do Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, but he, he didn't end up doing it. Uh, Charles uh, Schneer uh, proceed, or persuaded, excuse me, persuaded uh, Ray Harryhausen to use Bernard Herrmann for that movie. Uh, he, you know, Ber- Bernard Herrmann just does a great job and, and always, you know, just puts out some fantastic music scores. And he did uh, several of Ray's films, but he wasn't available, actually, ended up not available for Golden Voyage of Sinbad, this film. And uh, so Nicholas Rosa did do this movie. He actually does uh, the music for this film, and it's it's very cool. I think the, uh, you know, it really adds a lot, to, especially to some of the stop-motion scenes and the fights that they have. The music is, is very cool. The And it's got that Arabian Nights kind of flavor and flair to it all. So uh, Next up, I think, is a, this is a little bit of a longer clip, but I think it's important and good. And this is Robert Shaw's scene as the uh, the oracle uh, in the temple that they've come up to. And he kind of tells them what's going on, where to go, gives them pretty much everything they need. <laughs> where to go? Where, where do we go next, uh, Mr. Oracle? Sinbad asks. Uh, and so uh, listen to this. Two tablets brought forth to the light, yet a third remains from sight. A third? A final place must still be found, a place that lies deep below the ground. He talks in riddles. No race is lost until in fact it's won. And close behind you comes the black and evil sun spawned by the devil, suckled upon black milk in human form. Clad in robes of silk. Destiny. Destiny. Destiny is invisible, yet visible, and men may try to hide. Yet it is waters marking clearly like a rainbow in the sky. Destiny is a place where both good and evil wait, and yet the very quality negates their power. For it is the very deeds of weak and mortal men that may tip the scales one way or the other, and then the world shall know, and you shall know, which way the fates have chosen you shall go. Go! Go now! of the pagan places and pagan lands before a goddess cast with many limbs and death to all intruders is their whim 
in that sacred place, hid from the eyes of a man, is it the third gold tablet that completes the plan. Go now. Go. So there's a couple of points in this movie where Kura, played by Tom Baker, has to um, uh, do these magic spells, you know, to animate things and to send uh, evil spirit creatures after Sinbad and his crew. Uh, if you if you watch the closed captions, if you watch the subtitles of this movie, the uh, the closed captioner, I guess, had a little fun with it. And one of the times, one of the uh, the times he first does a spell. Uh, it reads S-S-F-U-P-A-O-C-O-C-R-O-F-O-O-K-U, sorry, O-O-K-C-U-C space M-I. Anyway, what it is is he just reversed the order of uh, the phrase, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> he just spelled it backwards. And then there's another uh, one that he does, too. And uh, it's called uh, Tricks Are For Kids, Silly Rabbit. Sorry, Tricks Are are For Kids Only, Silly Rabbit. And he reverses that for one of the subtitles to Kura's spells because it's just kind of gibberish that Tom Baker's saying. I don't even know if there was any kind of lines he memorized or if he just kind of went... I'm not sure what, if there was anything. It was probably just uh, in the script, like... You know, Kura says a magic spell, you know, make up some gibberish words. So um, there's a little bit of trivia for you for the movie. So they've gotten, uh, they know where to go. And of course, when they get there, though, Kura's waiting kind of. And uh, there's this sort of, uh, I don't call them a tribe. I don't know what it is. There's these weird green cave dwellers uh, that end up uh, sort of following Kura. And Sinbad and his crew kind of get uh, taken hostage and they take away Mariana and uh, Cora ends up in this next clip. Uh, he ends up with all three pieces of the amulet of the map, which uh, the legend says that if whoever holds all those pieces, he puts them into the fountain of uh, destiny, that uh, he will get all these uh, rewards from that. So this clip talks about Dyer's Cora, I think, speaking Tom Baker uh, and saying, I have you, Sinbad, I have you now. written that the fountain of destiny lies within easy march. Yes, where the gods smile upon mortal men. But I shall not enter that hallowed place empty-handed, for it is also written that he who places each of these tablets into the waters of the fountain shall receive in turn youth, a shield of darkness, and best of all, a crown of untold riches. All this is my destiny. But I fear your destiny lies before you. For have you not destroyed their most precious shrine? May Allah receive you. I bid you farewell.
I want to talk a little bit about now the um, some of the stop motion creatures in this film because you don't really see those in in you know in this audio podcast. Uh, you had the wooden siren. Uh, you have the homunculus, this little flying creature that helps out Kura. Uh, the uh, the other things that they run into when they get into the near the end here, uh, and the temple scenes. Uh, they fight uh, Kali, who is this six armed sword wielding creature uh that that comes to life uh, which is which is a very cool uh, cool thing and uh, they have to sort of shadow box fight these these creatures and then near the end here which we're coming up to uh the the main couple of creatures at the end that they deal with are there's a centaur a one-eyed centaur uh that uh that he is um fighting with and then there is a griffin yeah, yeah, which uh, which is the Griffin and the uh, the Centaur battle and fight in this, and then uh, the Griffin ends up being killed by the Centaur, but then they fight uh, the Centaur and uh, Sinbad, and then kill the Centaur by stabbing him. And uh, the uh, you know very tricky to film those scenes and do the sword fighting with nothing really there. Uh, they used other people to kind of pretend they were stuntmen uh kind of on top of each other's shoulders and 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 you know would choreograph out the scene and then later the stop motion stuff would be fitted in it's um it's really uh a, a very very uh painstaking process and very tricky to do there was a deleted scene in this movie uh with some snakes and stuff called the valley of the vipers that doesn't make it into the final movie but i thought i would mention it um there's also going to or was supposed to have been a scene with some dinosaurs uh, that didn't make it in in this uh, in an area a part of this movie, but it never never ended up working out and, and getting that in there. But uh, the uh, coming up again to the end and uh, what happens here is Cora puts the pieces into the fountain. He gets the power. He gets he he's regenerated because when he do, does his magic throughout the movie, it actually sort of makes him uh, older it ages him and by the end he's pretty pretty decrepit and pretty old but when he he gets like a fountain of youth effect when he puts the pieces in he gets rejuvenated and he also gets this um, protection uh, shield of darkness I think it's called but it actually turns out to be it sort of makes him invisible and Sinbad has to fight him uh, as he slowly fades and turns invisible and you only see a lot during the fight uh, his sword dancing around in front of Sinbad but the fountain, Sinbad kind of leads him over to the fountain in the scene, and the water reveals his shape, and Sinbad's able to uh, see his shape and defeat him. So here's the here's the clip of the end with the fight with uh, Korra. Shield of darkness shall be mine. I see no shield. You will. Carefully, Sinbad. What you cannot see, you cannot kill. I congratulate you, Captain. Your sword arm is excellent, but your eyes betray you. 
For now, you cannot see me at all. For all your strength, you are helpless. <laughs> as helpless as a child. I can kill you anytime, Captain. Anytime. <laughs> So they've uh, defeated the evil wizard Korra. Tom Baker is no more. Now he can go be Doctor Who. <laughs> and uh, and then at, at the very end, there's a, um, a riches. The riches that appear from the fountain is this crown. And Sinbad ends up giving the crown to the, the vizier, who still, again, has that face covered. And the crown uh, turns the vizier's face. He actually sort of uh, fixes him. He, it heals him, and he's he's no longer all disfigured and everything which is kind of a neat effect in the movie and the last clip i'll play for you here in a minute is, is sinbad and they're back on the ship and marianne is like sinbad why did you why did you give up the all the riches and i i like the way this ends it's a very kind of cool han solo kind of uh, um, attitude that sinbad has Praise be to Allah, the All-Merciful. understand. Sinbad, why did you do it? Give away a whole kingdom? Priceless treasure? Why? I value freedom. A king is never truly free. Why, he's even told who he must marry. Captain! Captain! Will you take me on as a fully-fledged seaman now? Iowa, and make yourself fast with that rope. Don't worry. I always trust in Allah. Oh! But tie I up your camel. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, so they sail off. Uh, you know, Sinbad says, you know, you can never be free if you are a king. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a, a right way of thinking. And, uh, you know, it's only a crown anyway. How many riches is really just the crown? But I think it was the symbolic nature of it that he, you know, this 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 makes him a king. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad in a, in a fairly fast uh, nutshell. Uh, it's, it's a cool movie. If, uh, for those listening, if you've not, uh, if you've not ever seen any of these stop motion movies, uh, please seek them out. Uh, Golden Voyage of Sinbad. I, I just double checked. Uh, it doesn't, none of the, none of these movies seem to be on Netflix, but you can get the DVDs fairly inexpensively off of, uh, Amazon or wherever you get DVDs at or shop. One of the things that's a little disappointing about the Golden Voyage of Sinbad is that is you can get the Blu-ray, but it, it's very expensive. I think it's an import. Uh, I do have the Blu-ray of uh, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, but to get the Golden Voyage on Blu-ray, I have it on DVD, which is where I got all the clips from. It's uh, you know like eighty bucks <laughs> imported Blu-ray. I, I just wish they would stop that nonsense. You know, come on, let's just have the you know release everywhere. You know, inexpensive and. It's a weird rights thing or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Besides, uh, besides that little thing, it, it's it's a it's a cool movie. These are great kind of. I always think of them as good old Saturday afternoon films. Uh, if uh, I've may have said this on the podcast in other times, but if I ever could, you know, purchase a small little local movie theater, I I always had these ideas that I would have. Uh, Saturday matinees showing, you know, like the movies Mark covers or or Sinbad movies, you know, or some of the earlier like Apes films and, and just some of the classics from way back in the day, like some of the monster movies like the original Godzilla and, and just, uh, you know, Forbidden Planet and 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 just just all kinds of, you know, like the even the old play some of the old Flash Gordon serials and just and then show a Sinbad movie now and then, you know, I, I, I just uh, think these things are great. And there's still something very, very um, cool about seeing them in the movie theater. And I would, I'd love to see another Sinbad movie done someday. You know, we, we got those, uh, the closest thing, I guess, are the Clash of the Titans movies, the Wrath of the Titans, you know, that they did, which just don't have anywhere near the charm that these movies have. Uh, you know, I saw them, they're okay, but these uh these are always going to be you know the uh, just something special i think and uh, to sort of cherish and and watch now and then so all right i'm gonna take a uh, a short break i'll come back and talk about uh, a couple other little details and things and, and wrap up today's podcast hi this is robin curtis and i played lieutenant savick in star trek three and four you're listening to rico on treks and sci-fi all right uh actually went through that movie quicker than I thought, uh, but uh, let's talk about a few other things, um, and then I'll talk about next week's podcast. We're going to do a Skype show next week. I'll, I'll give you details on that in a minute. Uh, one thing I noticed is this week's issue of Entertainment Weekly has some pictures which are cool from the upcoming next summer's Age of Ultron, Avengers Age of Ultron movie. You know, you can see all the characters in their costumes. They don't give really a lot away on the movie itself, but there's some nice pictures there uh, seeing uh, you know everyone back uh, in action. I also read uh, this week that it looks like Marvel uh, Marvel movies is is got their whole like schedule planned out for the next you know five years or something, and uh, I think at Comic Con we're going to hear a lot about their whole Phase Three group of movies and what the plans are for things like the next Captain America movie, next Thor movie, at least when they're going to happen, when they're going to be released. 
uh, and uh, Avengers and Ant-Man's coming, and it looks like probably a Doctor Strange movie. So very, very cool stuff. Um, next weekend, we're going to do a Skype call. Uh, this uh, is just, you know, I'd like to do one during the summer, talk about what's been going on in the summer movies, what we've seen for the last couple of months, uh, what we've been enjoying. Hopefully we'll talk a little bit about news coming out of Comic-Con next weekend, too. It's going to be Saturday. I'm gonna, We're going to do the recording on Saturday night, at least night for me. Uh, it'll be at uh, uh, July 26th, next Saturday, in about a week from now, or at least close to a week from when I'm recording this. July 26th, Saturday, at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So do the math. Uh, if you're like a West Coaster, that'd be 4 p.m. your time, and so forth and so on. Uh, that'll be next weekend, again, on Skype. Uh, if you've never joined before and you have questions, I usually set up the call. My Skype handle is TrekSF and uh, just friend me on Skype or whatever it's called, and you can join the call at around 7 p.m. next uh, Saturday on July 26th. So hope to see a lot of you there and talk all about movies and TV and, and all kinds of... Oh, speaking of TV, I watched the first episode of that Guillermo del Toro's um, The Strain. Uh, pretty gruesome. It's like a modern vampire retelling, uh, but it's it's pretty gross. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I'm gonna I'll watch another show or two, and I think I'm almost done with Sci-Fi's Dominion. Uh, I don't know. It's just not really grabbing me. And there's some things that happened in the show and last show that uh, I'm not thrilled with. Um, but uh, I am enjoying that extant. Uh, I don't even know what the word means, but that Halle Berry show. There's been two so far where she comes back from uh, being in space for 13 months, but she's pregnant. Uh, I am enjoying that. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, everyone have a great week. Uh, I'll talk to some of you on Skype next weekend. And then uh, get those videos going. Get those videos into me. The sooner the better. Hey, just sit down in front of your computer if you've got a webcam. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't need special effects or put clips in it or whatever. You can. You can do whatever you'd like. But you can just sit down with your iPhone or whatever phone type you use, record off a quick clip, and send it over to me at uh, treksf at gmail.com or FTP it or, or email it or whatever, uh, email, uh, Dropbox, all kinds of different ways. So uh, I, I'd love to see what you guys have to say about what your, what universe of fantasy or sci-fi you'd like to live in. So take care, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, I always enjoy doing it. So uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.
This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production.